The Lord be with you. And I am excited about what we're about to speak about tonight. It is from that third letter of John. And uh, it really is just a letter. I mean, there's only 14 verses in the entire book of Third John. It is a letter that he wrote to one of his dear friends whose name was Gaius. And it begins with that prayer that we began to look at last week. And to th- this week, I want to look at the prayer. I think if you remember last week, we said it's your view of God. It's how you understand God that shows up in your praying. Well, listen to this again. This this is his prayer, which he opens his letter. I I'm hesitating saying letter. This is more like just a text that he sends that, to, to his friend, and he just touches on certain things. But he begins with this um, prayer, and I'm using that word right now, but we'll get in a minute to what he's saying. He says there, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. And that is the uh, limit uh, of what he says, but that is a tremendous prayer. Um, It is, first of all, something that John must have prayed for himself. There is abroad in many Christians today the idea that you can't pray for yourself. That would be selfish. I suppose you learned that from the substitute God that Satan gave that is a very selfish God. But no, you cannot pray something like that for anyone else unless you have experienced that reality yourself. Did you understand that? When I pray for you, it is not out of the finished work of Jesus, but it's out of the fact that I know I've experienced this, and now I desire to share this with you. And it is with that primarily I have in mind as I look at it. I don't necessarily at this point want to teach you how to pray this for others. That will come naturally. I want you to understand that this is a prayer that you can pray for yourself and over your own life and family. And when I look at it, I realize that this prayer is not something that many Christians feel comfortable using. Come on, let's get honest. Uh, when, When did you hear someone in a public meeting pray that all of you would know in every respect of your life, prosperity, and in good health. Good grief, they'd spend the rest of the evening uh, whining to God if it be your will. No, we're not used to this. In fact, many times when we use the word prayer, it's the idea of a person alone. Now think about this. It's an idea. When we say prayer, many times we think of ourselves here And at that point, God is up somewhere, and we are trying to communicate with him. Uh, Prayer for many people is a statement of being alone, and, and they feel separated from God, and that's why they're praying, and that's why you get that whine in their voice 
And it's like misery crying to a distant God who, if you keep listening to the prayer, appears to be an indifferent God who really doesn't care about you. But if you shout enough or cry enough or do something enough, then he will reluctantly get involved. Maybe that's a caricature, but I have been around a long time. And I've listened to many people pray and prayer meetings by the gazillion. And I come away with a heavy heart because what I'm hearing doesn't in any way reflect this life in Christ that we have in the new covenant. Let let me put it like this. We, we are not generally, those of you who have been around religion Christian religion for some time, you know that it's not a general thing to be taught that in, what shall I say, your daily grind, that is, you know, all that happens in the house, all that happens in the kitchen, in the raising of the children, um, when you go to work on the factory floor, in the office, it's not generally understood that that is the arena in which you really are in a relationship, a manifest relationship with this God who is love. I I mean, when we say peace and joy, people's minds usually go to some spiritual place where in that spiritual involvement they can know the peace of God and the joy of the Lord. Whereas the fact is that in the Scripture those words belong right in the center of your daily life. The peace of God is not for some spiritual, if I spiritual, uh, hermit up in the caves and no. Yes, this is meant when you're walking through the streets of Manhattan in all the atmosphere of tension and you're in an office where everybody is anxious and tempers flare. That's where you meet with this God of love who brings you his peace, who gives you unearthly joy and sense of his presence. That's it, you see. In fact, we are so used to the negative. Um, People who profess to be Christians, and yet, and I believe they are, by the way, um, yet they, they live in an atmosphere of anxiety. Anxiety. Read the New Testament. What is anxiety doing in our lives? Fears of all description, and they are connected with the home environment. They're connected with our relationships. They're connected with our workplace. What it, we feel alone. If we feel the presence of God, for many people, it's it's in a, a service of some sort, a church service. You know, it's, it's in some special retreat you went to, some conference, and you, you talk about this sense of presence. But in the New Testament, that presence of God it is to be found in our daily grind, in what we're doing day after day, what is called mundane and insignificant, and so help us, they call it secular, which, of course, is announcing God isn't here. No. And then, of course, he goes on to say that you might be in good health, and yet church after church that I have visited over the years, they don't really believe that. Not really. 
And so when they pray for sick people to be healed, it's with great hesitancy. It's with almost an awkwardness on their tongue. And, and, and then they've got to put in, if it be your will, and the tone of it is, it probably isn't. There, there's no sense that I can pray with, with. He doesn't say, if it be your will. He doesn't say, now, if it be God's will, I'm, I'm asking, I'm just, uh, in his great mercy toward you, he just might give you some prosperity. It's a possibility he would heal you. No. That's a very bold prayer that we just read. Bold prayer. That, that there's no hesitancy. There's, there's no thought that this will not be so. He is saying, this is what I'm asking for you. He, he's telling this chap, this is what I'm praying for you. And, and, and he jumps right in, in all respects, in the entire spectrum of your life. I'm I'm asking for your prosperity, your good health. Hmm. I say that that that's different to many things that we hear and have. We come to accept that as normal, so that when somebody would step into our world and with that kind of boldness and that kind of expectancy, say that he he's asking for you and your family prosperity and health. You would think he's just um, throwing out a like a have a good day sort of thing. No, he's he's praying to God, your dad, your father, who loves you with unbegun, unending, immeasurable passion. He's he's doing so in the name or from inside of Jesus, who is the image of the Father. God from God. So you're praying inside the very desire and will of God. And you're praying in the Holy Spirit, who is the one who is actually now touching your lives and involving. There's no doubt whatsoever in this prayer. You see, we are in Christ. We are. That's not just an idealism you are this moment joined one with Christ. Though he is not you and you are not him, yet you are joined. And he is joined to the Father. And therefore, if you're joined to Christ, then you too are in, joined to the Father, who like, we're in the Spirit, in, in, in. Read it, John fourteen twenty. There's no doubt about this. And we're there by sheer gift. You could never pay for this. And the idea is never in Scripture. This is grace. This is the pouring out of the givingness of God that he has placed you in this fellowship with the Holy Trinity. And what is prayer except that through the Spirit, because we're in Christ, in the Father, we we are included in the Holy Trinity conversation. We we are right in the middle of the beating heart of the desire of the Holy Trinity to make his love known and felt and seen in your life and the persons that you come into contact with. And so we we ask It's our desire because, well, we're in that holy family. And in that family, this is the desire. 
for yourself, for a person, for an event. And so when we pray, we're joined to the desire of the Holy Trinity. You you do understand, prayer is never trying to get God interested or involved in what we're doing. You do know that. It, It isn't that you've got all these positive ideas and thoughts for someone or an event, and you know God just isn't like that. You know God. He's really not interested anyway, but his idea of good is probably to make you sick. That's what we were taught, you know. So that when you're sick, he's doing some great work in your life. (laughs) Try and find that in the New Testament. No, that's an invention of Satan. No, God is love, and love reaches to our physical, to our cells, to the organs of our body. I say it again, prayer is not trying to get God involved. It's not trying to stir up his interest. Never, never, never. Prayer is that we are joining our highest desires to his desires And we are assured of it because it's in the name of Jesus, that is, from inside the very person of Jesus. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we know that he never demeaned anyone. He never took from anybody. He certainly never made anyone sick. He never took money from anybody and made them poor. No, you see, this new covenant that comes to us through the name and the blood and the resurrection of Jesus is a very different picture than what we learned in religion. You see, and so when we pray, it's because we've seen his desire and will and work of God. You say, well, I I, I don't know the will of God. Look in the face of Jesus. Jesus is the will of God. And he's not just an abstract will out there. He is specifically the will of God for you. That's why Jesus came, not merely to reveal an abstract God, but to reveal the passion, the love, the care, the desire of his heart for you and I. And and therein is the will of God. I don't have to go any further than there. Do, do, do you hear me? I wish I could come through that camera and ask you that. Do you really see? I look into the face of Jesus and, and the record that we have of him and also his living presence in our life. And therein is the will of God. That is the will of God. Not done to so say, we've got to seek the will of God. Well, why? Why? The will of God has been made manifest in Jesus. We don't have to go beyond that. And just because some blinded, darkened theologian said that all this good stuff stopped in the early centuries of the church, well, that's what they want. And if they have enough faith, they can get their gloom and doom. But I, I stand with the Scripture. I stand with a here, now, present, resurrected Jesus and Holy Spirit. And hear the desire of God in this beautiful little prayer that he is saying in every respect of your life, in every corner of your being, I am praying, that is, I am reflecting <clears throat> with my words the desire design, blueprint of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for you, that you would prosper and be in good health. Okay. So, you see, prayer, if I can address it yet again, 
I can only ask in prayer for that which I already have. You do understand that. You see, you've got to get away from this wicked view of I'm alone here and I've got the desire and I've got to convince God who is absent up there somewhere. No. Prayer, where, where does prayer begin? With, with your magnificence, you've got these glorious desires for people and yourself, and so I'm going to pray. Where do you think those desires come from? comes from this God who loves you more than you can ever define, who desires good in your life, who desires peace and harmony and joy. And he puts those desires in your heart that you might converse with him on the same page. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's me or if it's God. <laughs> I, I thought we just got through saying he dwells within you. And if he dwells within you, where shall he put his desires except inside your desires? Prayer begins with God putting his desires in your desires that you might speak with him on the same page. And, okay, now I get to this word prayer. See, I have a problem with the word prayer. I really do, big time. And not not because I have a problem with prayer as such. I have a problem with what the, the I'd say the church, I mean the religious persons over the centuries have put into that word so that we get this idea that I'm a, a lonely individual in my misery asking a distant God that he would do something over here. You see, so it's sort of triangle. I'm here, he's up there, I ask, and then he does something down here. That, that's what, I, no, 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 that's not prayer. That is not prayer. And yet when we say the word prayer, that's the image that comes up. And the word specifically here in this, it, it describes, how can I put it, a real conversation. That, that, that is, you don't sit there and start talking big churchy language and all the these and thous. That's not a real conversation. Might have been if you lived in the, you know, 1600s, but you didn't. You didn't, so that, that's not language you use today. It's a real conversation. It's waking up in the morning and saying, good morning, Dad. And, you know, it's real. And this word that is used, and, and it appears through the New Testament letters, um, it's more like a wish. Yeah, don't run away from me. It's it's more like a wish. It's the expression of I want that. And I, I will use the word wish because it comes out of the, the... I'll use the same term, God wish. But you see, his wishes, his desires are not just floating, you know, like a dandelion seed on the wind. Um, when God wishes, it's done. Uh, his desires are not just empty, I wish it could happen, but his desires are so. And and so you find in the New Testament, you know, Paul says, I'm praying for you. That, that doesn't mean that, that he's in some church cloister and saying, you know, he's, he's making tents. He, he's out there on the road speaking, preaching. 
And what what what's happening when he says pray without ceasing? What does that mean? It means that just outbursts of wish. I desire this for you, and out it comes. This is what I wish, and you get on your your in your life. But it it's an outburst of the heart desire. Actually, one has translated it as professing loudly. That, that is, with, with all the gusto, this is what I want. This is what I desire, whether for my life at this moment or for your life at this moment. Uh, and loudly, this is the way it is, you see. It, it's got in it the word confessing. This is a confession. And, of course, that's got a bad name these days. But it's a Latin word, you know, con, which means with, uh, and fest, so to say together with, to say together on the same page, to say together what the other's saying. Well, you, confession means I'm saying together with God. It's none of that stuff if you say it long enough, you'll get it. No, it's because you realize we have it in this glorious God. And so I confess, I say together with God what he desires for you. It is it's a process of thinking, those thoughts that run through your head, intentional thoughts, intentional words that are spoken for goodness and peace, and rest, and well-being over you, over your life. It's intentional. They're not just daydreams. I capture those wishes that I have, which are birthed in my relationship with the God who is love, and with intention. Every time anxiety begins to rise, I declare over anxiety, I am seated inside of God's love in Jesus Christ. I, I don't let those thoughts have their way. Um, if, if I find dark thoughts about you, well, I replace them with the truth about you, that you are a child of God, the light of God fills you, the Spirit of God is working in your life. It's intentional. But you see, it's not that we stop everything and say, let's pray. No, it's in the, you're driving in the car, you stopped at a red light and you just explode in, this is what I want for so-and-so, this is what I desire in this place in this moment. Um, there's a word that is used in the New Testament. One day we might take an hour on it. It's a big word. It's translated in our Bibles as bold. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Do you remember that? Describing the, this relational um, words that flow between ourselves and God. He says, with boldness. And it's a word that would take quite a long time to really say what it means. But let me have a quick go at it, because it's what we're talking about. It means, essentially, freedom of speech. See, the, the poor chap I've been describing has no freedom of speech. He's trying to get the words right. He, he's sort of, he's afraid of God. He might say the wrong thing. And if he prayed something not in the will of God, we might end the universe, you know. Uh, and, and so is all these cautious prayers and all hedged about with big religious words. No, boldness means freedom of speech. It means 
free-flowing speech that is unrestrained, and maybe that's one of the key words of the definition, unrestrained. It means everything. Everything that's on your mind can come flowing out of your mouth. And you do so, I say again, without any restraint or any fear. This word carries in it the idea of love's courage. It's safe to let it all hang out. It's safe to say it just as it's arising in you. Now that that's the word boldness, and it is it's it's saying with expectancy that you are completely accepted, and it's more than okay. You're supposed to let your heart go loose, because that's how you do this. I can't use the word prayer because it's not what people associate with prayer. This direct, in your face. And it's because you're loved. Love can be honest. Love toward you draws out honesty. You're in a safe place. So safe. So safe. It's with confidence. You're not half scared of what you're saying that you might get beaten up for it. No, there's no, no, you're confident. This is what he wants me to do with boldness. It's, what's another word? I'll be frank with you, we say. I'll be absolutely honest. There's, there's no mask. It it means that I'm not talking, if if I talk, use this word among human beings, I'm not. I'm not saying something to make you happy. You know, you know. In some conversations, well, if you let it all hang out, they'll be very upset with you. Um, so we're not going to do that, are we? We're going to put on a mask and we're going to say things that are, oh, what's that other silly word these days? Politically correct. Oh yes. Don't don't ever let it all hang out. Let's hedge it around with lies and insinuations and. and then you'll be accepted. Well, never, never bring that to this conversation with God because, you see, he loves you so much. He is delighted with you when you let it all hang out. When you, his dear child, just sits there and tells him what's on your heart, that is the delight of God. Incidentally, this word in the scripture was reserved for citizens of the Greek cities. That is, not just any person can talk like that, uh, but it was a, a great honor of being a citizen in the Greek world. You, you, could, you could speak like that, and no one would ever punish you for doing so. Uh, freedom of speech in the best sense of the word And the New Testament picks up that word and says, here, in the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven, this is how you act. So you see, boldly, I can say in every respect of your life, every, no, no, no corner of your life I'm leaving out. In every respect, every way I am asking declaring over you the desire of your father for prosperity and good health. And so um, 
You see, I, I, I don't know where you're at, but there's, there's a negativity that is almost like a poisonous gas. If you go into the lunchroom of many places, um, uh, at the end of the day sort of get together, there, there's, what can I say? It's, it's a poverty mindset about yourself. So we speak always, not always, but a lot in terms of I am not, I am not. And if we don't say it out, we have that awful self-conversation um, going on inside of us, self-talk, where we're telling you, you are not, you are not, you are not. And, and uh, some idea arises and immediately I have not, I cannot, it will not. How about changing that all to making even casual conversation um, one of these prayer wishes where I, I declare instead that we're able, we can, we have, because we are in Christ. And even in the smallest details of life, he is being made manifest. And we speak out such truth over others as well as ourselves because we're like that about others. Many times you say, well, she's not, he's not, he can't. Um, how about moving into this other area? You see, this, this is what prayer without ceasing means. It doesn't mean that you have a prayer meeting 24-7. Well, it does actually, except not as we understand prayer today. It means that you are recognizing that you are in Christ. He's in you. It's, it's two persons living in this love relationship. And therefore, conversation is, is going on. And therefore, in, in common speech, I recognize that my desires for you, my wishes for myself, are, are part of this conversation with him. See? It's a continual conversation with the Holy Trinity and, and goes on. Okay, put it like this. It, it's, it's as if, no, I take that back. It is so, it's not as if, that you walk the path of life in this most intimate relationship, which, which means the Holy Trinity and, and he, he is making himself known in your life through the Holy Spirit the very presence of Jesus as the companion on your road of life. You walk it like on the Emmaus Road, which is probably the nearest I can get to what I'm talking about, that they're walking down the road and they're talking and they're expressing very bluntly and very frankly all of their reasons for despair and depression and Jesus, and he, he comes to them, but they don't realize who it is, which makes this a real conversation because they don't know that this is an exchange between them and the risen Jesus. And, and that's what prayer is, that, that I go through life and I'm walking down this road of life and it's step by step and I am sharing this and I'm sharing my confusion, my darkness, my questions. It's okay. This is real, you know. This this is not religion, is it? 
This isn't going to church to meet with God. Oh, don't be daft. You go to church to meet with other believers. I mean, I sleep in God. I don't need to go to church to meet him. I go go to church meetings to share with believers the truth and to receive the truth. And, and, and it never occurs to me looking at him through the eyes of who he revealed himself to be in Jesus and looking at him through the New Testament scriptures and looking at him through the lens of the Holy Spirit. It never occurs that I'm trying to twist his arm to get something out of him that he's unwilling to give. The truth is, he's trying to get us to see what he desires to give us, which is a hundred million times more than we could ask for. And then he's, he's bringing us to join him in the conversation and ask for it. So, it's prayer, and that's what this is. So, we're not outsiders who are talking to a, a sort of God who is up and over there. There is no such God, by the way. That is, did you realize that? There is no such God who is up and over there. That God is the God of the great liar who has twisted and distorted our beautiful, beautiful God who loves us and in him, in him, in him, we live, we move, we have our being. No. And this prayer is summed up in one word, and that's prosperity. That's why it, it comes along. You, you, you see here, um, I pray that in all respects you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So twice in one line, prosperity. Well, what is this prosperity? I know prosperity, I've said it before, is a bad name in the church. We're supposed to love poverty. We're supposed to enjoy sickness because that's the miserable God we're supposed to worship. No, let, let's, let's get real. From, from Genesis on, prosperity is associated with blessing. When I say associated, I mean you could translate the one word with the other. You, you get it there? It, it means they're tightly in the same family. So when you say bless you are going to include in what you mean by bless the word prosperity and also peace. And some of you know the Hebrew word shalom, which is much bigger, much bigger than our English word peace. And shalom includes in it, very definitely includes in it the word prosperity and certainly blessing. And this may surprise you, but the word salvation, oh boy, how religion has made salvation uh, something so small, so small. Salvation is, uh, and then from salvation we get our phrase, get saved. And, and that gets even smaller. It, it just means you said the magic words, and now when you die, you're going to go to heaven. That's it, I'm saved. So would you flush that down the toilet for me? Salvation, you see, includes prosperity, it includes blessing, it includes peace, it includes joy, and it's a 100% here now word. And also, this is interesting, the word um, for save, 
and salvation, but the word for save is sozo. You go through the New Testament if you have an inkling of Greek, and you will find that Jesus sometimes said, um, you are healed, that is physically. And the word that he uses for healed physically is sozo. Another time he says, you are speaking again of, of you know, what, what he was doing with people. He said, you have saved you. And the word he uses is sozo. So the translators of that make up their mind whether they're going to translate it healing or saved. But the word is the same. When God heals your physical body, that is salvation. When he saves your soul, he is mending you. He is divinely healing you by resurrection of your being. It's all the same word. And it's all wrapped up in the word prosperity, you see. Prosperity. You you could say that prosperity is true riches. Obviously, you can't say prosperity without coming on the word wealth or prosperity sooner or later. But but this is, uh, please get this, prosperity in the Scripture is receiving as the gift of God everything that you have been lied to when you think money could buy it. Do you understand me? When you ask people why why they want to be rich, and they will say, well, if I had more money, I'd be happy. Or it would give me security. I would have peace of mind. You know how it goes on? Isn't it interesting they use these words, peace, joy, security, Biblical prosperity is that you have discovered, and I mean for real, in Jesus Christ there are true riches, real wealth, that you actually have peace, real peace that swallows up anxiety. You have security. You have assurance of being cared for and kept by the love of God. You have a joy that has nothing to do with passing events, but rather a joy that starts within you. That's prosperity. That you have everything that the Satan lied that you could buy with money. Because I think you know in your saner moments that more money does not mean happiness. In fact, it seems the more money people get, they buy drugs so they'll be completely zapped out so they won't realize the miserable life they live. Um, no, prosper, money, money does not buy joy. And you know that. that. That's not just a preacher's cliche. You, you know you, more money usually means the very reverse of more joy. It certainly doesn't bring peace of mind. It just brings bigger worries. Please, I'm I'm not, this is not a ranting preacher here. This, This is dealing with human beings. You need a peace and a joy. You need a sense of security and an assurance of life. You need guilt free living that money can't buy. So the prosperity in the scripture means you have that and you have it in Jesus Christ. And, of course, within that context, 
because where, where do most of our anxieties come from? It, it means that there's some sense of lack or need, whether it be in terms of my spirit, where I, I labor under guilt and and lack of any assurance, but it also um, is is in my mind. I, I don't know what I should. Emotions, I I, I don't have the joy that I should have, and certainly in, in body, anxiety, because I don't have enough money to buy the food, I don't have it for the clothes, I, I don't have it for shelter, and so on and so on. Well, prosperity in Scripture means that's covered. You see, it prosperity in Scripture is not about money, but it includes it, because <laughs> it, it, your father... Your your beautiful dad, your your true parent, he cares for you, and therefore you, in the level we're talking about, are looked after. You're cared for, and you can rest assured that in those areas he provides in all the myriad ways that he does. It, it means that I meet his love and care at every twist and turn and level of my life. He is pro-you at every turn of life. And you've got to get it out of your head that this is only spiritual. That's why religion just can't get out of heaven or hell, because they for now they've got nothing. Uh, but it's all there in the future. Well... Um, no, it isn't. Uh, the New Testament, well, I keep saying New, it's the entire Bible, but the Old Testament points to the New, whereas in the New, it's the fullest celebration. He's pro-you right now, not at some distant future. So, he's for us. What does he say in Romans 8? If God be for us, he's with us. Who can be against us? It means... He is caring for you, watching over every step, providing abundantly at every level, and that includes finances. It includes your job, your work, but not limited to them. And again, I say finances, not in the sense that that's where you find the joy and the peace. In fact, finally, biblical prosperity means you're set free from being a slave to money, to know now, because that's not where my joy comes from. It's not where my security comes from. That means I'm free, free now to see and enjoy money where it's supposed to be. Because you see, prosperity means he's inside our lives. We're not, prosperity means that you're not trying to get this. He's inside there. He's there. He is within you, the source of love and joy and peace, security. The active presence of his love in your life cancels out anxiety and that hideous negative mindset. He's actively with us in our work where we thought that was secular. God doesn't know. He knows more about your work than you ever will. I mean, creatively. And he just delights in not only being with you in your work, but in you as your source of creative work. And he's also with us in play. Yes. Jesus is is the ultimate child. And we play because he loves to do that. 
And in dark and threatening times, he's our guide, he's our protector, he's our shield. Prosperity means that you share the totality of your life in common with him. And it means that you share your billfold with him, your bank account. You're shared. And of course, to to have the triune God as a co-signer on your account means that you will lose all fear in terms of what money is supposed to buy. You got it, because you share a common bank account. So this entire request that we're looking at is summed up in the word prosperity. And prosperity of our core person, but reflected in our physical, material realm. And that's why these words, in all respects. And the word, incidentally, in all respects, prosper, is in um, a continual sense. So, it's, in all respects, you're continually, you are constantly prosper. That is, it's not a one-time event. It's not a visitation. Or what do some of our friends say? God showed up. No, <laughs> Lord, he lives with me. Um it's continuous. It's, it's that progressive travel in life, and he, he turns it into a good path. Or you could say we're continuously helped along the way in our total life, spirit, mind, emotions, body, work, so on. The, the word could be used here because it's a travel word as he used it as you travel through life it could mean you get all the help you need along the road think of that in terms of your life it means success in reaching your destination when i when i traveled i used this prayer a lot because the sense is it gets you through customs. (laughs) It it means you're not going to stand there being interrogated over nonsense. No, you you have success in reaching your destination. Or it means that all things go well in your life. It means a direct and hassle-free journey. That's blessing, you see. It's blessing. Do, Do you feel awkward about me talking like this? I'm, I'm supposed to be talking about heavenly things. What, what do you think it means in the prayer of all prayers when he told us to pray your will? And again, that word misses the point. It's, it's his passionate desire, his ultimate wish, your will, your ultimate desire be done on earth as it is in heaven. We spend so much time trying to get to heaven, and all the time he's coming to earth. This is this right where we are now. This is where he wills that he is made manifest and known. And so his blessing deals with earthly stuff. He's into that. It deals with physical stuff. He made enough of it. He loves our physical. He's into it. So much so that God himself became physical. He became a real human being in Jesus. This is the peace of God that passes human understanding when we walk in this material world with this great sense of his presence. 
so in all respects covers all of that it it doesn't differentiate between internal like my core spirit self and external like where i live and what i eat and what i wear this deals with everything that's in the humdrum journey of life monday through sunday it's to do with the health of my body and of my mind and of my emotions even as the soul overflows with the true riches of life, it shows up in the extremities of my physical and material. That's prosperity. See, you're one person. It's, you're not this disconnected compartments of person. I know, you see, that's what our Western culture teaches us, that you're all bits and pieces so you've you got a pain in your finger, you go to a doctor who just treats your finger as if it's a thing hanging on a meat hook. Uh, then if you've got feelings about it, well, that didn't belong here. We send you off to another chap who lays you on a couch and has you talk about your potty training. Uh, because we don't see that my little finger is connected to my innermost feelings. No, 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 no. Here in the West, your body's your body. Your, your feelings are your feelings. Your, your mind is your mind. No, God doesn't see it like that. That's an, a Western invention. There are no compartments in you. You are one whole person. Your mind, emotions, your thoughts, your imagination, your talk, your speech, your physical body, your work, your play. They all are one, which just reflects the whole. And, and so um, it, it, I can't separate myself from my home. I can't separate from my home, my work, my school. And the believers that I meet with, it's, it's one, it's a whole. They're not departments where I close the door and go into another department with a different mask. No, it's one. And he is saying that the whole, the totality, you shall be made whole. That's blessing, that's prosper, that's success, that's peace, using all Bible words. And he says, as your soul prospers at the heart of you, there where you live face to face with the living Jesus in the Holy Spirit, face to face with him who is face to face with the Father, right there at the heart, that's true riches, love and peace and joy, wisdom, guidance, direction, strength, ability. All these are supreme positives, but they are not just positive thinking. It is that out from Jesus, who is our peace, Jesus, who is our joy, he is our wisdom. This is riches. And I say it just dismisses, dismisses anxiety. See, we have this view of Jesus that he, he died to get Adam back on his feet, you know. Poor Adam, he fell. Like that silly ad you see on TV sometime, the, the, the voice saying, I've fallen and I can't get up. And so we press the button, the paramedics come. And, and so we get the idea, poor Adam, he fell and I can't get up. And so press the button and Jesus, the paramedic, comes in and gets you on your feet again and forgives you. You 
Now he's, he's somehow made you to avoid all punishment. No, 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 please, no. Jesus came to bring us in our core being into the closest union with himself, one with him that we might know the Father in and through Jesus and the Holy Spirit might be our most intimate friend and guide in life. An OPS, he dealt with your sin in order to get you there. But he came to bring us to this intimate union here, now, in this pulsating moment. And I say again, it affects all of life. Do you, do you realize, I'm not, I mean this, do you, do you realize the incarnation do you realize what it means? God became one of us. He assumed our real humanity. And he experienced life as we experience, which means the work, it means the school, it means the play. Do you ever think of God in Christ playing stickball on the street? Do you, the incarnation means that God has joined us. And that's really the, the story of, of salvation. God has joined us. And so, <laughs> he's so one with me. And, and, and he's my creativity. He is. But, but you know, we're, we're so one... When it happens, I think it's my idea, but I know, of course, I got it. He, he's that bent of my life. Why, why, why do I feel this is what I must do in life? Where's it come from? His desires, his creative thoughts. It all originates in him who is one with us. So you see, when I come into the New Testament, all of these prosperity words. I call it the prosperity language. Let me give you a few of it. You'll recognize them. You are blessed with all blessings of the Spirit. Or what about, you are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Or what about this one? He that spared not his own son, shall he not with him freely give us all things? That covers just about everything. You are more than conquerors. What about the expression, riches of his grace? Or what about in Ephesians 1 where it says he has lavished his grace upon us? Or what about according to his riches in glory? Or we are filled with the Spirit filled with the fullness of God. And when you ask, you receive beyond all that we can ask or think or imagine. Or what about abundance, which means his love around you and over you and beneath you, behind you, so that you are living in a sea of his presence. And then... In other sentences, the use of the word fullness, or it speaks of exceeding, or speaks of enough, or plenty, or satisfied. Even the Old Testament said, my cup runs over. 
It's enough and to spare. In Africa, they, in tribal language, they, they said to me, you know, by which I mean we call it pigeon English, uh, and they, they put their arms around me and they said, we love you plenty too much. You see, all those, all those words, that's quite a bunch I just quoted. That, that's prosperity, that's prosperity. And Paul writes to the Colossians chapter 2, says that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Well, that, that's who he is, and that's what he does. Uh, and therefore, we have all the, the permission. Grace gives us permission to ask that that wealth, that true wealth of presence may come into the totality of our life, affecting every circumstance, every area, every relationship. Nothing is beyond the reach of his limitless love and grace in all respects, every detail, and the money to cover it if necessary. What about Matthew 6? Do not store up yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy fickle things, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And that doesn't mean heaven in the future. It means this heavenly world in which we now live. Moth and rust don't get there. They don't destroy. Thieves don't break in and steal. He says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You go on, see the lilies of the field. They don't labor, spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. There it is. He knows, he knows, he knows. 2 Corinthians 9, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may also have an abundance for every good deed. You've got plenty too much. You'll be enriched in everything for all liberality, producing the thanksgiving to God. Well, to be in health, I've got to just say this quickly. My time's gone, but I've said it a few moments ago, that the good news is not just about heaven and hell. The good news... <laughs> It floods our life right now, and that includes our body. It's the healing of persons. You get that? 
The healing of persons is not even just the healing of your body. When God heals, it's not like going to the doctor and getting just a, a healing for your body. When he heals, he heals you. It's not just the inner core. It's, it, it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional. It's sozo. It's bringing healing in the, into our lives. Prosperity is in that vitality of mind, that joy in our emotions, and the Holy Spirit dwelling within our physical, which renews our immune system, which is mending our bodies. It's physical grace at all times. I put that on Facebook once, and it was as if I had placed a curse word there. I was almost drowned by raging Christians who who thought this was insane to say that the Holy Spirit dwelt in us to be health and life to our physical selves. Well, as your day, so shall your strength be. And a better translation of strength, though it contains it, is leisurely walk. You will know physical, mental, emotional, and your very core being, Christ is your life. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead makes alive your mortal body. That's prosperity. That's prosperity. And it's present tense. It's not a vague, abstract hope for the future. It's certainly not one day in heaven. It is right now. Let's dance together. As soon as the prodigal came home, the father announced he was his son, put his face on that filthy skin and kissed it, and kissed it until, as the margin of your Bible says, he covered him with kisses, in which he says, you are loved, you are received, and now what shall we say? What shall we do now? He says, let's kill the fatted calf and have a party. And when they had the party, it was such a racket. It echoed across the fields and mightily upset the religious elder brother. Well, I am saying you got yourself into a salvation that is a thousand times more than you ever dreamed. It's all centered in Jesus, who is the image of his Father, and he's our Father. He's our parent. Welcome to the family. And may you in every respect prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So I speak it, so it is. And to that end, the God who is unlimited, almighty love, bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that you shall know enlightenment, opening of eyes, to realize and discover that you are blessed and you prosper. For that is the will of God concerning you. To that end, I bless you and declare you can count on it. Amen.